Okay, so just talk me through it again so I understand. What exactly did you say to them? Okay, so I asked them if this was the right boat. Ship. It's a ship. Right, uh, yeah, yeah, ship. I asked if this was the right ship for the cruise to the edge. And what did they say? I don't know, it was in foreign. Okay, and then what? Well, I kind of asked if yes were already on board. Kind of? Exactly what did you say? Um, well, the one with no teeth laughed and pointed at the hole. He said something and I said, yes, you know, like a question. So then he smiled, nodded, and put all our bags down here. Sorry, sorry, threw all of our bags down here. Yeah, that's right, he did. Um, he did this great big laugh and made me laugh a little bit too. Um, and then he gave me that complimentary bottle of wine, and then I came and found you. And the next thing you know, we wind up down here. No, 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 no. Next thing, we drank wine. Do you remember? Because I said I thought it tasted funny. Yes. <laughs> so, when do you think yes or on? We've been press games, you idiot! What? You mean we've got to write a school newspaper or something? No, we've been kidnapped by pirates. What do you think we chained up? Uh, well, they probably think you're one of them on account of your wooden leg. Yes, thanks for that. Let me make it up for the artificial leg, he says. I've got us tickets to see Yes on a cruise, he says. My treat, he says. All right, all right, calm down. It's not that bad. Not that bad? I can't be taken by pirates. I'm far too pretty. They use me in ways I can't and rather would not think about. Well, you know, if it helps, you're not that pretty. Gee, thanks. But what are we going to do? We've been down here all night. No food. Only the water we can lick off the walls, and no one's been down to check on us. All the sounds from above as well, the screaming and the shouting. Yeah, it's been a bit noisy. Sounds like the pirates are having a good time though. Maybe they've forgotten about us. Do you think they have? They've not been back down here. Besides, it's not so bad. Being chained in this position is doing wonders for my back. Simon, Simon, Simon. You're an idiot. They're probably planning on how to cook us and chew the flesh from our bones. Oh, don't mention food. I'm starving. Well, there's a rat over there if you can catch it. A raw rat? What do you think I am? Sorry if that upsets your gastronomic palate, but beggars can't be choosers. Have we really sunk that low? Are we not men? Anyway, it's not that. I'm a vegetarian, remember? Well, the ship's made of wood. Chew on that. Oh, that's not how it works. Absolutely. Not that bad. Utterly disgusting. And anyway, word to the wise, if you chew through that, we're going to drown. Yeah, good point. Oh God, what are we going to do? Will we ever see the fair shores of England again? Never more will I walk on the hills and fields of God's own country, or kiss the tears from the cheek of a crying child. You never did any of that stuff in the first place. That's not the point. Calm down. Listen, it's okay. I have a plan. Oh yes? Yeah, while you were talking, I've been inspecting these chains and the condensation down here, and I reckon that the current rate of oxidisation, these chains will rust through in mm, four, maybe five years, then BAM, we're out of here. That is an inspired plan. Really? Well, well thanks. I was being sarcastic. Mm. I'd like to take back that you're an idiot and replace it with you're a total idiot. Don't well, you come up with a better plan? Well then listen to this. It's foolproof. First, we call down one of the guards. Mm. You look sexily at him. You know, a wink. You know what these sailors are like. He takes you upstairs, has his wicked way with you. Then, while he's sleeping off his no doubt massive physical effort, you sneak down here, free me, and we make our escape. Well, that doesn't sound so good to me. It's not a great plan, but it could be worse. How so? He could take me upstairs. Mm, I think we need a better plan. Be quiet, anyway. Thinking. Yeah, I can hear the grinding. That is the ship. Why are you thinking? Is there anything you want to talk about? Like what? How much I'm going to hurt you when we get out of this? <laughs> you joker, no. I was thinking about the next Genesis album, Wind and Wuthering. So we're chained down here in the hold of a stinking ship, chained to each other, and you want to talk about Genesis. When's a better time? Almost any time. But as it seems we have time to waste... 45 years. Thank you. Okay, let's talk about Genesis.
this was the eighth album by Genesis. Yep. The yep. second featuring Phil Collins on vocals. Yep, yep, yep. And the second one they released in 1976. Wow, they had a really busy year, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, they did, yeah. yeah. So they released Drick of the Tale in February 1976, but obviously they'd spent a good chunk of 1975 writing Trick of the Tale. Mm-hmm. And so, then the rest of it touring. Exactly. So they recorded this album from September 1976 after they finished Trick of the Tale tour, and they released it on the 17th of December. So it was only 10 months after Trick of the Tale. So this is the first album they've recorded off the UK shores. That's right. They found out they could keep up to 25% more of their earnings if they recorded it uh, overseas. So they went to Hilvarenbeck, mm-hmm. which is not easy to say, in the Netherlands, in the Netherlands yeah. uh, to Relight Studios. That's right. They kept the same producer of Trick of the Tale, which was Dave Henschel, and they started recording there in September and finally released the album in December. Apparently it took them only 12 days to get the basic tracks recorded. Yeah, I, I remember reading that. Yeah. Which was uh, a really good going, but then they wrote most of this... Um, just after the tour. Yes. Some of the ideas weren't carried on. Uh, you know, like we've seen on previous albums mm-hmm. when they've said, you know, we didn't use this on the previous album, so yeah. we've kind of tweaked it for this one. Yeah. Not so much on this album. Yeah, although Tony Banks said they wrote a heck of a lot of music for this uh, album, but that was all before the album sessions that they didn't use. I mean, this album itself, when they went into the studio, recorded it, and when they were put it together, it actually had three new other tracks from that. That's right, which we're going to cover separately, because yeah. they released them as a, an EP, Spot Pigeon. They thought maybe that they bundled that EP in with the album, but Phil Collins decided that music tends to get lost when that happens, so they yeah. released Spot the Pigeon as an EP in 1977 during the Window Mothering tour. Now this album, I mean, it struggled a bit because Hackett was starting to feel, to coin a phrase, hacked off. Yeah, he wanted to take some time out to make another solo album between recording Trick of the Tale and this, but the rest of the band members wouldn't let him. But he also felt that a lot of his ideas were being dropped. Yeah. in favour of Tony Banks' ideas on yeah, the song. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the album as a whole, the majority of the tracks have got Tony Banks' writing credits on them, and Steve felt that his ideas were being sidelined or pushed out altogether. I mean, that, it, it still went pretty well. I mean, a lot of the tracks on this album have got his uniqueness about them, and yeah. a couple of them are credited almost solely to him. Yeah, I mean, you think of something like Blood on the Rooftops. Yeah, which was almost which, entirely his work. Exactly, which is a classic, and that's his. But kind of, I can see his point, because I love of this album. This is one of my favourite Genesis albums. Definitely, it's so strong. But it is very much Tony Banks's album. We say it's a strong album, and yet it has more musical interludes than any of the previous albums. Yeah, I mean, three for, instrumentals. For the, for the number of tracks, on. Three of them are instrumentals, um, although technically two of the instrumentals are one. Yeah, yeah. Just split into two. So that's the most instrumentals they've got on any album until Duke, not including the incidental stuff that's on The Lab. And then it had also an iconic cover. Oh, this is probably my favourite Genesis cover of all. It's done by Hypnosis, yep. uh, which is a, a London-based graphics design studio. And they're responsible for some of the most iconic album covers of all time. They did quite a few Pink Floyd stuff, including Dark Side of the Moon, mm-hmm. uh, Wish You Were Here. They did UFO's Phenomenon and Force It. They've also done Peter Gabriel's one to three albums. Yep. They also did Black Sabbath's Technical Ecstasy. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are responsible for some of the all-time great album covers. And this is no exception. This no, it's just a, it's a really, really good cover. And the other good thing about the cover is not only is it a good striking image, it also fits the music. It's kind of autumn the sound of the music with the wind theme yeah. that yeah. runs through. It fits the music as well. And they've not really had a cover that's fitted the music so well since Selling England by the Pair. So they recorded this in the Netherlands. Yeah. But then they came back to the UK to actually finish it, didn't they? Yeah. Trent Studios. To mix it. They released it yeah. in December and it reached uh, number seven in the UK charts, number 26 in the US yeah, charts. Yeah, it was one of their biggest sellers at the time. Yeah, it went gold, in yeah. fact. Yeah, critically acclaimed as well at the time. Bearing in mind, this is right at the height of punk. Yeah. So yeah. Prob wasn't getting a lot of uh, good reviews no. at the time. In fact, most people probably we thought Prog was going out at this point. Exactly. So this came along, as you say, at the time of punk, and it was basically the second episode that Phil Collins just started singing. Mm. But what a difference an album makes. Yeah. I mean, he's now, his vocals, he's settled into it. He's no longer the, well, should I be the vocalist? Mm-hmm. He's pounding these lyrics out, and his singing is spot on. Right from the very first track on this, mm-hmm. his singing is so strong. Yeah, he's perfect. He's made his stamp on the, the band now, yeah. and any qualms you might have had about his ability 
to, to be the vocalist just blown out yeah, of water with this album. Completely. So good. I mean, we discussed on the last album the fact that we've now got a more dynamic sound. They've mm -hmm. upped the tempo a little bit, yep. but they've also started to bring percussion to the fore. Yep. You're now getting more of a almost raw sound mm. to some of the tracks, almost yep. like a rocky raw sound. Yep. And this definitely carries on in this album. Yep. So now you've got Phil Collins' vocals coming into this new sound, and you got what you think of as a real Genesis sound. Now. Yeah, definitely. No offence to Peter Gabriel, <laughs> but you know, Phil and Collins was you. in the I know, <laughs> but Phil was in the band a lot longer. And when people think of Genesis, most people will think of Phil Collins. Yeah. And this is exactly what they would think of if you mentioned Genesis. Yeah. It's funny you should mention percussion because if you listen to the 2007 re-release, remasters, yeah. it really picks out the percussion in tracks. So a lot of the instrumental passages in One for the Vine, you can hear loads and loads of percussion going on in the background. Really? That you can't hear in the original mixes. And really brings it out. I was quite surprised when I listened to those mixes to how much I hadn't heard before. To be honest, talking about this, and this is going slightly off track, mm. but when you do get a lot of albums that have been remixed, which you're getting quite a few now, Rush yeah. have done it as well, and yeah. a few other bands, you wonder where they're getting this from, because it's, it's remixes of the original recording. So all these sounds were in there. You just couldn't hear them. But you couldn't hear them. Yeah. But now, I mean, a good example would be 2112 by Rush. Mm. Listening to that through headphones, there's so much now going on in the background mm. that you never even heard before. Yeah. I was listening to it a couple of weeks ago, and it's almost like a Brand new album. Yeah, the, the layers of sound you don't appreciate are there yeah. until the technology is available to mix it so that you can hear it. I know that there was only a certain amount of sound you got from a stylus yeah. um, because you know you couldn't get the the multiple layers mm. as easily through a stylus. But I find it difficult to believe that on cassette they couldn't transfer <laughs> what was already on a cassette, yeah. you know, and keep that quality and level of complexity. Mm. Yeah, I wonder if they just didn't mix it that way so that it wasn't that it wasn't there, you just couldn't hear it. They just mixed it, keeping that in the background. I don't know. I don't know whether that's... But then that's when, when DVDs came up, mm. or CDs came up, why they didn't just do that anyway? Surely yeah. the, the, the transfer would have mm. been from those same tapes anyway. Yeah. So you think, you know, the technology would have been there to make them sound better in the first place, rather than you having to fork out 12 quid for them yet again. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, I do appreciate some of these remixes. They really sound so much better. They do. But you are paying out for an album you've already bought five or six times. Yeah. From the vinyl to the tape to the CD to now the enhanced CDs yeah. to the DVD enhanced CD versions to uh -huh. whatever's coming next. Yeah. I mean, you were one of the few people who actually bought the Diskings. Yeah, mini discs. Yeah, they were a bit of a letdown. Yeah, but you you tried the mini disc and you enjoyed them. Yeah, there. well they were just convenient. They you know they fit seventy minutes on the yeah. disc and they wouldn't skip. Or but they were the CD jump. version of Betamax. Yeah, they were they very were. good quality, but they just didn't they catch were. on. It was a shame. They yeah, didn't. it was a shame. They were good for making their mixes on. Really? Yeah, just right. like a mixtape. Yeah, yeah. Did you give them to girls? No, because I didn't know anybody else who got a mini disc player. <laughs> to be fair, you don't know any girls. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Uh, but yeah, anyway, so Tony yeah. and Steve huh? think this is one of the best albums they ever did. Similar, they also think it's one of the best albums that Steve Hackett played on. Mm, yeah, I mean, this. Considering how hacked off he was at this yeah. point. Uh, hacked off. Hacked off, yeah, yeah see what I'm doing. But yeah, I think this is his best performance in Genesis, and I think it's a damn shame that he leaves after this album. Because yeah. I would have loved to have heard his contributions to some of the other albums. Obviously, they'd have been completely different. Yeah, but then again, with him leaving on this album, we do get, um, again, for the next album, we do get another new sound. Mm. Um, less of the classical guitaring going on, yeah. and more what you would call rock, I yeah. suppose. Yeah, yeah, I mean, well, the, the next album, which we'll talk about more in depth when we get to that album, is another three. And they go. Oh, spoilers! They go for the short song. Yeah, they go for the short songs because you know on this one they find they can do it when they do afterglow. Yeah. So for the next album they do short songs, but then uh, eventually over time they will start doing the longer songs again. Yeah, I mean, and they don't ever stop doing the songs because even up to We Can't Dance they've got Fading Lights and Driving the Last Fight which are seven, eight, ten minutes long. Yeah. So when the BBC made their Some of the Parts documentary in 2014 this album wasn't even mentioned. Really? Yeah. Why? I don't know. They, just, they go straight of the town they go straight into... And but this is a classic album. This is a brilliant album. This is, of the two, Trick of the Tale and Wind and Wuthering, this is by far the better. If you ask a Genesis fan, mm. name some of the best tracks going, mm. 11 third of Mars is going to be in there. Well, yeah, I mean, and you know, One for the Vine, yeah. Blood on the Rooftops, yeah. Afterglow. They're all in there. And that quite a, these are all tracks that were being performed right up until, you know... But they're classic Genesis tracks. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't make a Genesis compilation without including at least one least, track off this album. At least one. 
I mean, yeah. they're great. Even the tracks that don't get as much look, mm. they're still pretty good tracks. Mm. Well, yeah. shall we go on to talking about the album itself now? Huh? So the first track on the album, 11th of the month. opening track to an album they ever did in my opinion i'd just like to point out you say that every single album but this time i really mean it this time you really are I right really mean i mean it. what a great rock track it's, it's so got such good. a pounding beat yeah and it's just such a considering it's not necessarily a happy little song if mm. you listen to the lyrics but what a joyous little song yeah yeah i mean you just great. You bop to this song, it's yeah. great. This has got two things. One of Phil's best ever drumming performances on this track. Definitely. Drums on this are just superb. Yeah. Absolutely spot on. Yeah. And also one of his best vocal performances. Yeah. He's really comes in back in with a bang. That's what we're song. saying, you know, second album he settled in and yeah. he settled in so well. Yeah, I mean, I mean th this is top class singing. Isn't yeah. It? I mean this is his first truly great Genesis performance. And he sounds like he's been doing it for years. Yeah. Yeah, you it just seems so comfortable seeing it, doesn't yeah. it? You wouldn't believe he, this is still only about a year since he started being the singer. Yeah, but I loved it. I love this track. I mean, I'm not entirely sure it's about. I know it refers to is it John Eskin? Yeah, John Eskin. He's the he was the Earl of Mar, who was a Jacobite during the Jacobite Rebellion. I'll just stop you there because I don't know what any of that means. Basically, Jacobites were Scottish uh, landowners. I'll stop you there because I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> but it's a, it's a book. I, I think it's a fiction book based on his life. It's by uh, D. K. Broster and. The first line of that book is the sun had been up for a couple of hours covering the land with a layer of gold. Oh, so that's where they got the ending title for yeah, the song. Exactly. It's very good. I mean, I, I, I love this track. It's so light, and, yep. but again, rocky. Yeah, and lots of cakey changes in it as well. Lots of cakey changes. With that whole wind section in the middle, which was uh, a Steve Hackett piece, which was the House of the Four Winds, which kind of brings the tempo down before coming back in again with a big, powerful drum bit. But, just love it. But this song is just power all the way through, isn't great, it? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to come right out and say it now, I think this is probably my favourite track on the album. Straight away, without having listened to any of the other tracks, this is it. I'd just like to say, you said that when we started this. Yeah. It's going to be like that all the way through this, isn't it? It is, yeah. 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 But I mean, you can really hear Phil's influence from Hang Brand. On. Isn't this your favourite track on this album? It is my favourite track on this album. Thought it was. I knew <laughs> I'd heard you say it somewhere. <laughs> but you can really hear Phil bringing his Brand X influence into this. I mean, Phil had already recorded an album with Brand X in the time yep, between yep. ending the tour and recording this. So, yeah. absolutely in my top five Genesis tracks ever. You just played with my mind now. <laughs> Anyway, again, a great opener for a Genesis album. Yeah. They really got the hang of this now. It, uh, this track it doesn't get as much love as it should do, I don't think. I don't know it why. Gets it's, overlooked. A, it's a great track. Yeah. You cannot not love this track. No, you can't. It's just so good. Yeah. It's everything about it is brilliant. With you on that one. Um, and Steve plays brilliant guitar on it. And the, everything. Uh, just the bass. Oh, it's just perfect. The drums. Yeah. The other twiddly things. Yeah, love it. Love I it. Love this track. Yeah, it's on my driving playlist in my car, and I would listen to it over and over again. And the only track I can think of that might be better than that mm -hmm. is the next one. Really? Yeah, I love the next one. Right. One for the vibe. Snow. He took one without hope 
What I tell you, what a brilliant track. It is a great track. <laughs> I mean, it is done in style of the Twilight Zone and mm -hmm. those sort of things. I love the story yeah. as much as I do the music. Yeah. And the music is phenomenal. It is. I mean, the, there's a use of instrument and tempo mm -hmm. and other things I don't understand mm -hmm. that are brilliant. I just love everything about this track. The yeah. way it goes up and down and, and goes all the way through this story. But all the while, the lyrics are so clear you can follow the story yep. very easily yep. which is good for me because I'm stupid as you know <laughs> you are but also you can read a little bit deeper than that because it kind of carries that um, a kind of political message in that you know power corrupts the guy literally becomes the thing he hates yeah he literally becomes the thing he hates but in the Twilight zone way it's awesome I love the story I love the story in this I think it's just great it's another track by Tony Banks which is, is which is about an army so following on from Firth of Fifth I never, I never made that connection. Yeah. It's another army track. Yeah, I wonder if it's supposed to be the same army. I don't know, but is it linked to status quos? We're in the army now. Yeah, it is, and maybe even linked to that Kate Bush song, "Army Dreamers." Wow, it's like it's one big circle, it's all, isn't it? It's all one big hole. Uh, moving on. But yeah, and it's got a great keyboard refrain in it. it. Musically, it reminds me a lot of "In the Cage," actually. Why is that? Just the way the music plays and flows. I don't mean it like the chords or the, the melody sound, just the way that it's structured sound reminds me of In the Cage. It kind of, it builds up and gets going and Yeah. 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 I mean this was... I'm this not a musician, I can't talk in musician's terms, can nah, I? Nah. Nah. And of course this one was uh, written by Tony while they were doing Trick of the Tower. Yeah, and it took him a year to get the lyrics. He just kept fiddling with it. He did. Fiddling about. Fiddling about. Yeah. But... Fiddling about usually makes a mess, but in this case, it's made a masterpiece. Yes. <laughs> I'm glad you said masterpiece. Yes, yes. Uh, but yes, yep. mm. so we're agreed. We're very agreed. This is a good track as this well. This is a great track. And play live very often, too. Yeah. Weirdly, considering it tells a story, mm. it's not a track I get bored of. That's the good thing about it, I think. Same with 11th Earl of Mark. Yeah. It, that's kind of telling a story. Um, but we're not entirely sure of what the story is in 11th Earl of Mark. No. Are we talking about... We were discussing this a while ago. Yeah. Are we talking about the 11th Earl of Mar? Are we talking about somebody reading a story to a child at bedtime? Yeah, see, that's what I think the 11th Earl of Mar is about. Yeah, because it sort of switches back and forth. And you can, mm. if, once you told me that, I thought, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. All the references to Daddy, because yeah. otherwise it sounds a bit, it, bit it's odd. It's a bit odd, yeah. Yeah, but One for the Vine is a very clear story. Yeah. It, it's a short story in music form. And again, it's going back to the... You know, right back to Trespass with White Mountain. Yeah. It's telling a little movie in the form of a song. Like the Twilight Zone, but without the singing. But going back to the Twilight Zone reference, it's that weird science fiction thing at the end. Very prog rock. It is very prog rock. And this album, they were trying to get away from the fantasy. Really? Yeah. I mean, they, they, didn't really, they didn't really manage that, did they? No, they didn't really. No. I was saying, I'm not going to the shop while you're on the way to the shop. Yeah, so I'm not drinking this beer. Go, 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 go. Yeah. But yeah, they did say that they were trying to move away from the fantasy and more random elements. Epic fail. Yeah, they didn't really work. No. Although some of the tracks are this. Yeah, most of them most of them do stay away from that, but Yeah, most was, of them don't. No. But when they say <laughs> we're not gonna do this and the very first two tracks are quite obvious. <laughs> very obviously, yeah. 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 Anyway. But that leads us into the third track, which is very different to that, which it is, is your own special way.
single. It was indeed, got to number 62. Number 62. Which is pretty good considering they'd never charted in the States before. Yeah, exactly. Who charted? Who charted, yeah. Not indeed. Genesis up to this point. Definitely not. Um, it's their first love song. Is it really? Yeah, written by Mike. Um, He's the big romantic in the band, remember? Um, People blame Phil. soul. People blame Phil, but all the most romantic love songs, they're all Mike. People rather blame Phil. Yeah, people would rather blame Phil. Yeah. Damn Phil. Phil. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, great song. I like this song. I like this song as well. But for a long time, this was one of my favourite Genesis songs. And really? I don't dislike it, but it's kind of, it's grown, I've grown more fond of the other tracks on the album there. I like it, mm. but I wouldn't put it on my top ten. No. See, I would have done a few years back, but nowadays I still love it, mm. but I wouldn't put it that high up. But Genesis fans generally tend to hate this song. Why? Because it's a love song, I assume. And um, not That's really Genesis-y, I guess. But what is Genesis-y at this well, point? They've, yeah. been, they've been everything from a religious-based rock band yeah. to basically choir boys mm. to a sort of prog rock out there, weirdo, lamb-lies-down, funky band. Yeah. And so what What would you say? Gen they don't really have they, a theme at this point. They don't have a Genesis. In fact, it's you only wonder. until now, I suppose, mm. with Phil taking over and they start finding their feet again, they actually start developing what you would call a regular theme. Yeah, I mean, it's not really until Duke, when Phil starts to songwrite, that they get to be the genesis that most people would say, that's yeah. genesis. Yeah, which isn't far from you. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's in two more albums. Yeah. But yeah, I, I do like, I like this song. I'm definitely not in the camp of hating this song. I no. like it. I don't love it, but I like it. I'm the same with you. Um, I love the way this ebbs and flows. Mm. Um, you go right from a nice instrumental yeah. um, and vocal opening to a rocky thing, and then it climbs down yeah. into a more quiet instrumental, then back to rock. It's kind of almost like the ebb and flow of the waves, mm. which is kind of what the intro yes. is suggesting. I, yeah. So it, it, it does feel like a, a seascape. This wasn't performed live very often. Really? Um, it was dropped in favour of Inside and Out from the Spot the Pigeon uh, EP. Really? For fairly soon in, into the tour. Apparently the guitar tuning on it was really difficult, so they had difficulty playing it. But if they could just get another guitar. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it works. I don't know. I don't know how you turn the guitar. It just bang a stick against it. And I'd use a fork then. Use a fork for eating. Right? Well, actually, use a spoon for eating. Right? Yeah, yeah, depends what you're eating. You no, it doesn't. No, use a spoon for everything. Yeah, well, even, even fat rat. Well, maybe not fat rat, because obviously you'd stick something in your bum and eat it like a rotisserie type thing. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. Can't use a spoon on a rat. You're crazy, man. I'm a vegetarian. I don't know how you eat rat. I'm not schooled in the preparation of rat. Five more minutes down here and watch me. I will show you how to scoff a rat. Uh, anyway, anyway, moving on. Yes, so I think this is a really good first attempt at a love song for the band. I really like the lyrics. My one real criticism of the track is it goes on a bit. I think they could have edited it down about a minute. How not two it? a minute. It's nearly six minutes long. Get out. Yeah, it's about five minutes forty. Um, I think if they'd edited down a, a minute or so, that would have worked better. Because it does kind of get to the point where, ah, yeah, there you go, it's over. Oh, no, here comes another another verse and chorus. It does, but to be honest, I've never found it overly no. long. I, I, I'm fine with it at that length. Uh, Steve Hackett recorded a version of this with Paul Carrick on vocals for his Genesis Revisited album. Didn't he? He did, he did. And I first heard that in the food court in uh, a shopping centre in Hull. There you go, you yeah. widely travelled person, I am. you. What a weird place. I didn't even know that album what, existed. Hull? Yeah, well, Hull. Weird place. Uh, weird place. But I didn't even know that album by Steve like it existed until I heard this while I sat there eating my probably spicy nachos without beef without beef um, and then that so, came on crisps I was like what the heck is this you were I'm... eating crisps 
But I thought it was a cover like by Boyzo or somebody like that. Who's and Boyzo? Is that some sort of prog rock band? Or? Yeah, that's a pop rock band. Oh, okay. Not even a pop rock band. Uh, pop band. Okay. But yeah, I, I like this song. Not my favourite on the album, but it's a good track. I'm completely unfazed by this song. Yeah. I can give or take it. Mm-hmm. Not a great track, yeah. but doesn't bother me either. Mm-hmm. I quite like listening to it. Okay. I mean, this is traditionally the part of the album where we get more for me or yeah. something like along another, those lines. Another quiet track. A quiet track. Yeah. And this kind of, it's the same sort of thing. I mean, Phil's doing a similar sort of vocal performance as More Fool Me. So even though he's got the power now, he mm. can still rein it back and do the more gentle love song vocal. I imagine if they had found the singer, The Trick of the Tale, this would have been a track that Phil sang on this album anyway, because of that kind of throwback. Shall we move on to What Gorilla? What Gorilla? That Gorilla. What a great title for a track. It is. You wonder what it goes for. gorilla they're referring to is mm-hmm. Phil on the drums because he's going mental on this. Well, like that Cadbury's chocolate advert. Very much like that advert. He's just going absolutely bonkers on the drums <laughs> he on is. this. And he it's, is. it's a great... We get, you know, instrumentals on Genesis albums many times. Yeah. But this is one of the rarities. It's such a powerful it is. and driven uh, instrumental. You don't get bored of this. Yeah. You know, have some of, with some of them, they just go on and on. I love this track. Yeah. It's great instrumental. I really like this track. I've got to say, I overlooked it quite a lot on my early listenings of the album, but actually really, really good track. It is, it is. Um, and did you notice, did you notice the reprise of One for the Vine, part of this? I did not. They take a part of the um, the keyboard solo, speed it up a little bit. I did not notice that. Yeah, you listen I to it again. listen to it again. Yeah. It's their do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Yeah, that's from one for the van. Is it really? Yeah, pretty sped up. But I mean, this track gets kind of um, overlooked quite a lot. I think that's that's fair because most people do overlook most of the instrumentals. Yeah, and it is the last track on the first side of the vinyl album mm-hmm. as well. So this track plays after uh, uh, your own special way, and then fade out and get up, change the record over. It is another instrumental mm-hmm. on an album that already has three or four. So I mean, you could understand why people would overlook it, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I still think it's a great instrument. Yeah, and they didn't play it live very often. In fact, either, it's my so. favourite one on the album. Yeah, really? Your yeah. very favourite track? Oh, it's good. Not my favourite track, my favourite instrumental. Instrumental one, yeah. out of three. Yeah, it's, it's still a favourite. Yeah. I think this could go very much alongside Los Endos, and it fits very well with uh, the Duke instrumentals as well in style. Yeah, yeah. Which the other two instrumentals on this album don't really. That's true. Um, they are their own special pieces. So you're grading these instrumentals mm. like you would the size of a rat. The rat with the stick up its bum. Yes. Yes. Okay, so big rat, enjoyable yeah. music. Yeah, good. Because small rat, not so enjoyable. Not so enjoyable, yeah. no. Small yeah. nibbles. So this is a big rat. This is a big rat. Yeah. Big, juicy rat. Yes. But I've got nothing bad to say about this. I love it. It's great. Yep, with you all the way. Phil's brilliant. This is Phil's baby, really. He, yeah. He came up with this he one. He hammers the hell out and of this. And he can tell. So we go on to the next track. All in the mouse is nice. Yeah. Close the voice from the bed, you'll be exposed. 
Now Simon just asked me, while we were listening to that track and our staff were getting things ready in the background, whether I enjoyed this track. Mm. And I said no spoilers, because yes. we're now about to discuss that. Yes. Do I like this track? Ask me how I like this track now. Do you like this track? I'm not going to tell you. No, 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 no. <laughs> Do I like this track? It's weird, because you know when you first listen to this album? Mm. This is a great track. Mm. It's a nice track. Yes. It's a twee track. Apparently, it's a, like homage to Tom and Jerry. Mm. But the more you listen to this album, the more you start skipping this track. Yeah. It's a nice track, and I love the pantomime effect of the different music for the different characters. Mm. Gone is Phil Collins trying to do Cockney accents, yeah. because that just didn't work on the last album. Didn't no, he is a Cockney. So rather than like on the last album with Robbery, Salt and Battery, and on the previous album, Battle of Epping Forest, Gone are the uniquely strange voices that they've said. They've said, mm. drop that, and they're going to use music now to denote the different characters. Mm. So we haven't got that, oh, blimey, I'm a mouse, going yeah. on, which, you know, they would have done it on the last album if they'd tried this on the last album, which would have made this very much worse. Mm. I like the way they've done it with the different changes of music. Yeah. Very pantomime You mm. know, you can almost hear their drum roll and roll behind you yeah. as the cat comes up. But, yeah, I like this. It's mm. a nice track. But I do find myself skipping over it because it's very twee. I don't like this track particularly and I have always skipped over it except when I was listening to it on vinyl I couldn't really? be bothered to get up and change it I'm surprised it's a nice it's nice it's just very twee you know when, you, you know, when you're driving down the road mm. and you've got the window open and you're expecting girls to go oh he's listening to some really good music in his car and then this comes you're listening on. to Genesis Gavner I am I am listening to Genesis is that All in the Mouse's Night oh, well yes it is it's not, <laughs> it's not very hey he's listening to All in the Mouse's Night girls <laughs> Like that. It's almost like Phil Collins is in the room. <laughs> yeah, a bit like that. Yeah. This, this is not one you can you can play loudly in the car mm. and people because people are going to look at you strange. Yeah, not strange in a way. They're if you expect... listen to the Lamb lies down Broadway. Well, really no, but they're going to expect children to be in the back of the car when yeah. it's going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this is Tony trying to do a humorous song again, and I I think this works less well than Robbery Assault and Battery did. Oh, I disagree. I think Cause... this does actually work as a humorous song. Mm. I just find myself getting bored of it because it is so twee. Yeah, but I mean, Tony Banks is trying to be, uh, you know, M. Night Shyamalan again with his twists. <laughs> the cat gets attacked by a giant mouse, except it's not really a giant mouse. It's a thing that fell on its head and tells the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> I'm, no, I'm not keen. But it's very Tom and Jerry, mm. which I say, this is supposed to be a kind of homage to. Yeah, I suppose so. Well, you... I've lived with this album for a long time. It's one of my favourite albums. This is not one of my favourite tracks. You lived with this album for a long time. It's not a disease, we, Simon. No, we lived, we lived together. We shared, shared a flat. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah, yeah. Who does the cooking? Oh, separate rooms. Oh, yeah. Fair. yeah. He, but he's only, he never washed his own pots. Oh, tracks, Just, eh? and, uh, I was so glad when he moved out. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so you're not a big fan. I'm not a fan of this track. I don't like the track. I think it's weak. I think this is the one track that when Steve says, all my great contributions were sidelined in favour of Tony, Tony Banks' tracks, you can point at All in a Mouse's Night and say, yeah, actually, that's a good point. Because yeah. they practised a version of Please Don't Touch, which Steve then recorded for his next solo album. That's a better track than this. Yeah. I like the track. I just find myself skipping it. Mm -hmm. It's B-side for me, at best. Yeah, probably is. Yeah. So, shall we move on to the next track? Yeah, there's blood on the rooftops. <gasps> and there's blood pouring down your wrists because the chains are too tight. Well, I can't loosen them. Oh. We always watch the Queen on Christmas Day. Won't you stay? Roll your eyes, see shipwrecked sailors, you're still dry. The outlook's fine, the whales might have some rain.
I murdered him. What are you on about? That's Jane Austen, isn't it? Is it really? Yeah, he's done Quiet Slumbers for the Sleepers in that quiet earth. All taken from Wuthering Heights. Wuthering Heights. Yeah. Heathcliff. It's yeah. me and Cathy. Never read it. Come home. Never read it. You, you've heard the Kate Bush song, haven't you? I have. That's yeah. pretty much the story. Actually, I was just watching the video, to be mm. fair. That's pretty much the story. Not as good as the Bush guy. <laughs> wow. Anyway. Anyway. This is not a Kate Bush podcast. This is not. But we should do that. <laughs> no, it's got to be a video podcast. No. Nobody wants to see you leching over Kate Bush. Many people have, <laughs> Um Yeah, so two more instrumentals there. Yeah. Um, really? The first one was more of a sound effect. It's a bit unfair calling it two tracks, I yeah. think. And th- I think... They couldn't be separated. These are Steve's tracks. Mm. They kind of separate them into two to placate Steve a little bit, I think. But one, that, you know, Unquiet Slumbers for the Sleepers is only about a minute long. It's mostly sound effects. Yeah. So it's a bit it's, unfair. But as a sound effect, mm. it's quite pleasant. Yeah, it's, it's good, but it works better when you take the two yeah. as one. It works better piece. as an intro to the next piece. Exactly, yeah. It doesn't work a lot on its own. No. Um, if you if you listen to the CD, it does put them into two t- separate tracks. Yeah. And if you just listen to this on its own, it's very short and it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. But when you listen to it compared with the next track, mm. it's just a musical intro to the track yeah. itself. And they don't play that first part live. Do they? No, they just play In That Quiet Earth and then Into Afterglow. And Steve Hackett is touring, or was touring, uh, Wind and um, and he didn't play that live either. He just played, went straight into it in that choir. Oh. So, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's two more instrumentals. Maybe Phil's idea of being an instrumental band. Uh, coming through. He's still some, touting that idea, isn't he? But maybe it adds some merit because, you know, there's two slash three instrumentals in this album. And, and they're, they're brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. Really, yeah. really good I mean, track. I, I love both of these tracks. And the, yeah. ne- the next track, which is, which is? Afterglow. Thank you. Brilliant. I love it. I love it. It's the way it moves. It changes Kiki's uh, quite a lot. So you've got a lot of things going on this yeah. track for, for what is not a long out long track no not at all um, but it's got a lot going on there's a lot of power in this again yeah um, they've changed from these rambling musical interludes which they've done the previous albums and it's now a very rock driven little musical interlude. yeah I mean this is a very heavy album for all its romance compared to the previous ones yeah. anyway but for all its romance this is quite a heavy album um, and nowhere more so I think on this couple of tracks in that quiet earth the crunchy guitars that Steve plays on, the, on that quiet earth are just you do so like your crunchy I guitars. love crunchy guitars those rock guitars and it's, uh, Steve showing his proper prowess as a rock guitarist definitely yeah um, you know, he's shown how good he can play the acoustic guitar in the last track, Blood on the Rooftops, and now he's shown, and actually, I'm going to rock out! But I just love the changing tempos yeah. throughout this song. Yeah, the stop-starts. Yeah, the stop-starts, and the, stop starts and the up and down, you, you, yeah. different uses of instruments. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's almost like you get a selection of solos mm. in this, yeah, rather than so. one thing. It is one long track, but each part seems to have its own almost solo. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I just think it's a nice, complicated track to listen yes. to, and it's so much power in it. Yeah, definitely, 100% agree. Yeah. Such a good track, and it flows very, very nicely into Afterglow. Yeah, see, I don't get that. No. I know that's what they that that's they're worried what that it says, sounded yeah. like. Mm. Don't get it. No. I can, I can kind of sometimes. It's one of those where if you play it backwards, Maybe. you get the sound of the devil wishing you a Merry Christmas. Let's try. I'll play that bit I just sang backwards and see if it sounds like Afterglow. Go for it. No, it didn't. No. No. It just sounded weird. 
You just, I think you're just knacking for stylus as well. I think so. I think yeah. Now I want to kill and kill again. <laughs> uh, stand over there. I can't. These chains can't get further away from you. But stop <laughs> looking at me like that. You I'm little weirdo. I'm, I'm gonna rattle these chains a bit more. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull them out of the wall. But anyway, what do you think of Afterglow? I love Afterglow. Mm. That is a great track. It's another love song, though, isn't it? It is another love, love song. song. Oh, this album's so lovely. It is. It's all loved up. It is all loved up. But it's a great track. I mm. love this track. Yeah, it is great. I think I prefer the live version of this track, though. What's the difference? Um, just because, again, as the, I mentioned in uh, with Trick of the Tail, I think the production makes this sound a little bit flat. Whereas when they play it live, it really brings out the power of the song. Could you play a little bit of the live one? I can play a little bit of the live one from then, the Seconds Out album. Then do. What you mean? Yeah. I think the only criticism I've got of this track is it, it feels like it's building up to something epic and then it kind of rolls away before it builds up to that epic. I see what you mean, but at the same time, I, this track is so nice in and of itself. Oh. If it did build up to a rock crescendo, yeah. I think that'd spoil it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Of course I'm right. I'm always right. Yeah, apart from when you're not. Apart from when I let you book tickets on a cruise. You like yes, don't you? I like Yes. I don't like being chained in the hull of a ship. Will we ever get to hear Yes again? Never more will we get to hear tales from topographic oceans. Actually, you know what? I prefer to be in here. Yeah, I think I'd rather stop down here than listen to that. Yeah. Anyway. anyway after they can't Glow, all be winners, can they? They can't, no. No, and that wasn't. No. Spoilers. Anyway, Afterglow. So yeah. Tony says he wrote this in the time it took him to play it, pretty much. Which is amazing, because it's a very nice track. Yeah. If, if you nice could simple just... Knock that one off that fast. Yeah, um, knock one out. That, that fast. at the piano. Indeed. Then, um, clever man. He is a clever man. He is a clever man. But, yeah, I like this track. It's but I'll never forgive him for driving poor Steve Hackett out of the band. I will forgive him. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. So, but this is a great track to end the album on. It is. Yeah. A they could have. They could have done like they have done on some. You know, some of the past albums mm -hmm. and had a musical outro. Yeah. No, just play music. Mm -hmm. But no, this is a great track to finish yeah, on. It, it just is. it just winds down slowly. Especially combined with the two instrumentals before. Yeah. It builds yeah. up nicely and then slowly down. It's like an after eight mint after a really fine dinner. It is. I hate after Okay, it's not. It's like a really nice banana split after a really juicy rat. Ooh, juicy rat. Juicy rat. Yeah. Anyway. Food. I'm so hungry. I'm gonna rattle my chains a bit more. Don't I'm rattle. I'm gonna keep rattling my chains. I'm gonna kill you if I hear more chain rattling. To go to bed. Never seems too keen to be against love. So that was Wind and Wuthering? Yeah. Thoughts? Really good. 
great album. Mentioned before in the intro, one of my favourite albums. When I first started listening to Genesis, mm -hmm. as you know, not as big a fan as you, but when I started, I didn't really get into Peter Gabriel, mm -hmm. and I started getting into Phil Collins yeah. more because I was more familiar with his, his yeah. versions of Genesis. More this familiar? No, I'm not at all. Anyway, this was the album that sort of cemented, in my mind, the beginning of Genesis. So we've now caught up to your Genesis era. Kind of. I say, I still only partially listen to it now and again. Mm. Because uh, although I like Genesis, I'm not a fan, mm. fan. Yeah. But this was the album that I consider my first real favourite Genesis. Because it, it, for me, this is the watermark. It starts from here on. Yeah. So we're, we're basically, we're up to your era. This is, this is where you first started getting into Genesis then, with this album. No. What? That's what you just said. That's not what I want. Listen to me. Why would you turn this podcast into me. a house of lies? It's not a house of lies. You're just not listening. <laughs> I said this is sort of the watermark. My mm. first album that I got into was probably... Okay. But if I went backwards, yeah. this was kind of the point where I thought this is still the Genesis I know I'm familiar yeah. with. Yeah. Because before then, we get into the older style of Genesis, which yeah. I found harder to get into at that point. Mm. So this was this is my watermark yeah. for Genesis, if you like. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes wow, sense. Wow, I made sense. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, no, I, I agree. I think this is a high point in their career. And they've just done this off the back of a long tour? Well, no, it was a short tour. Trick of the Tale was, was a fairly short tour, but they'd written a whole album without a singer and then recorded that. And again, they've recorded this in a very small amount of time. Three, four weeks? Yeah, tw like 12 weeks to do the basic tracks. Oh, sorry, 12 days to do the basic tracks and then record it as well. I think, I think overall it was six weeks yeah. between starting to record and the album being released. As we said before, so, you know, modern artists can take months and months yeah. and months to release what is basically a crap track. I mean, we're not even 10 years into Genesis's career. No, and how point. much they've changed so far. Exactly, but... I'm thinking of a band I really like, Interpol. They, when it got to 10 years, they'd released three albums. Genesis They're have, not even trying, are they? Genesis have released their, this is their eighth album in less than 10 years. And their second album in 1976. Bands these days just spend so long recording albums. This is what, our ninth podcast in what seems like 20 years. 14th. Is it 14th? Yeah, this will be our 14th episode. Doesn't time fly when you're having fun? Well, you'll be pleased to know we're halfway through the albums. Only half? Yeah, well, just over half now. Oh, God, I hope <laughs> the ship sinks. That's not including any EPs or live albums or archives we do. A this is never gonna end. Just wanna die. Four to five years, these chains will break and we'll be out of here, so it gives us plenty of time to record podcasts about the rest of the albums. <sighs> but this album is a favourite of mine. It Mine's has too. a very melancholy tone, does. which the album cover matches. Yeah, but at the same time, very rocky. Yes, but very heavy, yeah. But probably their heaviest album, really. Very dynamic. It? Yes, yeah. I mean, it's not a heavy metal album by any stretch oh, of the God, imagination, no. but it's very rock yeah. orientated. It is what you would expect a prog rock album sound like. Yeah. With emphasis on the rock. Yeah. Yeah, I, th I do think it's a shame that Steve left after this album. I agree, I agree. His um, instrumentals brought a lot to this album, specifically. Yeah. And he's, even his contributions to tracks like 11th Earl of Mar that he didn't really write are brilliant. Yeah. So it's a shame. But, I mean, they did a tour, um, 97 dates they toured with wow. this. They started on the 1st of January 1977, um, and they finished on the 3rd of July. They started in the UK and ended in Germany. The drumming-wise, Bill Grufford didn't want to pay any part in the, this, this tour. Okay. Um, he wasn't really happy with his contributions. So who took over for the drums? So Chester Thompson took over, um, and he would stay with them right up till the uh, We Can't Dance tour, and then came back for the 2007 Turn It On Again tour. Um, and he was a drummer who played with Frank Zappa. And Phil Collins heard him playing with Frank Zappa, and just asked him to play without any audition or anything. And he'd never met Chester Thompson. Chester Thompson said yes straight away. Wow. And Phil Collins said, no, Genesis, yes, I've already got a drummer. <laughs> so um, he, he joined there. Um, this tour was the first to hit South America. So it's the first time they played in South America on this tour. Wow. So they're really getting into the big time now. Yeah, because they've already played the States a lot. Yeah. Which is surprising, considering they weren't really charting there. So, I mean, who was listening to them? Who was coming to the gig if they weren't buying the album? Oh, exactly. It's, it's, it's a, that, not the height of their US success, but the start of their US success, pretty much. But on this tour now that they're doing, I mean, they were playing to 150,000-seat yeah. uh, stadiums. Yeah, there. yeah, they're much bigger than the Trick of the Tail tour yeah. at this point. But again, not selling a lot. No. So who's buying all these tickets? It's a weird one, isn't it? Mm. 
Mm. I mean, when you, when you start when you start getting to the point where you're selling to 150,000 stadium, you assume you're selling a fair few albums. Yeah. And yet, you know, this album itself, when it got to gold, which is what 500,000 albums. Mm, yeah, something like that. Yeah. That's still not a lot of movement yeah. worldwide. So I mean, you know, that's what a couple of stadiums worth. Yeah. But they've done this the whole tour. Yeah. So. Who wasn't buying their albums? <laughs> it was well. I'd have been getting upstage going, I know you're out there, I can hear you breathing. Why aren't you buying my albums? <laughs> well, maybe, maybe it's the same people going to the gigs over and over again. Yeah, maybe. yeah. Been there, done that. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, this they released some of this music that they recorded on this tour on Seconds Out. Right. Most of Seconds Out was recorded on The Window Was it really? Yeah. Okay. Only, only the cinema show was recorded on the Trick of the Tower tour, everything else. But they played The Knife on a few dates with Phil. Did they really? They did, yeah. Not Gosh. every night, only on about a handful of dates they played the night. Mm. They dropped Your Own Special Way partway through the tour when they released Spot Pigeon EP and they played Inside and Out from that instead. We'll talk about that track when we get to that. We will indeed. Mini-sode. Little mini-episode. Little mini-sode. But yeah, what a great album. Such a strange thing to have been missed from a documentary about Genesis. Not even mentioned. Yeah. Considering just, you know, it, its importance to the band because of it, yeah. its charting success and the fact that it was a damn good album. Yeah. I mean, Steve Hackett says he, it's, it's one of his favourite albums is very famous sound in England apparently but this is one of his favourites he did and it's got a lot of his great contributions just to be brushed aside you know it's not calling all stations by any stretch of the imagination no very few of them are so to round up yes I love this album love the album love the cover shame Steve left yeah crying shame damn you Tony Banks but this is a constantly evolving band it is and they are as I've said before probably the epitome of progressive rock because they change for every album and the next album is going to be complete turnaround again yeah which is, what is the next album and then there were three look forward to that yeah before we get to that album though mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about Spot PGP we are and Seconds Out we are are we also going to be mentioning uh, that we're going to see Steve Hackett live yeah we might even record a little bit after, before and after we've seen Steve Hackett I suppose yeah yeah, we could do a little review of his yeah, uh, yeah so we might put that as mini as well yeah. but in the meantime we need to get off this gosh forsaken ship and I can't catch that rat so I am so hungry just rattle your chains I'm going to rattle my chains you try yours I'm rattling them chains come undone my hands free what yeah yeah just pull really hard see they come off do you know i don't think they locked them properly well that's a bit of luck why didn't we try them earlier never mind that let's get out of here no not so fast Whoa. idiot i mean we need a weapon oh well i found a pointy stick give it here you know you want a loud shot things yeah, don't be like that it's fine look you can really thrash it around. Ow! Told you, give it here. Right, stay behind me and we'll try and get up on deck. Simon, the other behind me. Oh, sorry, sorry. Right then, carefully, up these stairs. Right, no one's on this deck. Let's keep going up. Noises are getting louder. Just one more flight and then we're up there. There's someone coming. Down the stairs. My God, someone's coming up. It's that toothless guy from before. Then we fight. Aha! Stand still or I'll run you through. Sticks the wrong way round. What? Isn't the sharp bit supposed to be pointed at the enemy? Damn it. Okay, stand still or I'll hit you with the damn stick. Arr, what be this? It's a twist of fate. You had us in chains, but now it's our turn to take you prisoner. What do you think of that? Arr, I think you might be confused, mate. Been drinking the salty brine, have you? How dare you? That's libelous! I think he means seawater. Oh, doesn't matter. Look, set us free, you monster, or I'll really do some damage with this stick, and you better believe it. You wouldn't believe what I can do with a stick. Yeah, he used to be in the scouts, you know. Give him another one, and whoosh, this whole place is gonna go up in flames. Yes, thank you, Simon. Look, look, I think there's been some kind of mistake. We were wondering where you two had got to, especially after you missed the opening acts. The what? At the party! The, the what? Yes, the congratulations on escaping party. You know, we chain this up, you escape, 
Then we had a party. What? It's all part of this year's theme. We pretend to be pirates. You know, the pirate theme cruised to the edge. It was Rick Wakeman's idea. What? Oh, oh yeah. Now you mention it, I remember something about that on the tickets. Hang on. What? Yar! It was the great time. Lots of partying. Lots of boys and girls getting to know one another. If you know what I mean. Well, rock rock fans anyway. You boys missed it all. The vodka fountain. The all-you-can-eat buffet. The chocolate swimmy pool, the Mike and the Mechanics theme disco. Mike and the Mechanics theme disco, eh? I don't have for that. Yar, you boys missed all the fun. Especially the live gig by King Crimson. What? Yar, that all your friend can see. Well, he's very enigmatic. Man of few words. Man of few words? How about Simon, I'm gonna kill you? Yar, you mean to say you've been down at the hole all night? A five-year-old could have broken out of those shackles. Made of Play-Doh they were. Still, too late to worry now, we're almost back in port. You mean it wasn't... we weren't... Uh, oh, yeah, 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 here's the ticket seat. Pirate-themed disco party boat, sun, sea, sex, sand and yes, and King Crimson. How did I not read that before? Simon, I... I... I think I'm going ashore. Arr, matey. And you can shut up. Oh, fair enough, squire. But... Just leave me alone. Leave me alone. Your friend does know we haven't docked yet, doesn't he? He's falling in the water! Yes, he does now. So, anyway, about that vodka fountain. Should have just said that in the first place, you know. <laughs>